Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Journey Podcast. I am absolutely delighted to welcome Helen Okira to our podcast today. And uh, also, as always, Jordan Banks. Helen, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very good, thank you. Very good. And Jordan, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. Nice to be back in the country for a little bit. And uh, thanks for joining us, Helen, today as well. Really appreciate it. Looking forward it's to it. It's my uh, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to hearing what you've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic no fantastic no, well, not at all <laughs> let's dive uh, straight in Helen um so tell us what you're up to at the moment so at the moment I mean as ever I'm always looking for good stories to to write up it's nice to be able to actually think like that again after so long not being able to travel um but particularly for me at the moment I've during the pandemic really I've had two children so I'm now kind of changing my my sort of outlook towards family travel so I've as much as I love going off just me you know my hiking boots I'm having to reassess my travel life so I'm looking for lovely stories for very small children to accompany me on wow well congratulations first of Thank all you. and uh, and yeah what a what a amazing change so um, yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess you're you're having to not only change uh the type of stories but also probably the way you work as well I suppose that's going to have to have changed and will change I suppose yeah definitely to some extent I think a lot of that is about slowing down actually which is quite in keeping with um with the piece I wrote for Journey because that was all about slowing down and taking longer over things and actually I think children really make you realize how important that is and how positive that can be I think the worst you know you have a lot of friction if you try and rush your toddler to do anything as of anyone course, with yeah. children will know um so actually slowing down and seeing it at their pace and and, and they see things in such an incredible way as well, don't they? You know, seeing yeah. things through a, a new person's eyes, a genuinely new person is just incredible. So, yeah, it does, it does make me see things differently, but it, it just in the most beautiful, positive way. 
Oh, fantastic. Yes, I know absolutely you're absolutely right there. And um I'm glad you sort of mentioned uh the, the piece you wrote on in Journey. So we'll we'll get onto that a little bit later. Um, yeah. but I want to kind of start with just uh finding out how well traveling but also writing started for you where where did you sort of get the bug I think it's really hard to to place actually but I I think I would probably say I've always been a writer I think for a lot of writers it's quite an innate thing um when I was a kid I used to write like really bad stories that have absolutely all been you know disposed of now (laughs) but I used to write stories with my friends and you know I always wanted to write things down and make up stories and write down my stories and my thoughts about things so I think it was always there as this passion actually and then I went traveling after university with my now husband and um, we just had such a blast basically traveling around the world seeing new places meeting people that I came back from that thinking okay how can I continue to travel but you know make a living as a grown-up <laughs> and um one of the things that I fixed on was was writing. I entered a writing competition actually in Australia while we were traveling there and um, thought, you know, didn't really think anything of it when I entered it and then won this competition. And I think the prize was like 200 Aussie dollars or something. And at the time that was, you know, riches because I was a backpacker. And I was <laughs> yeah, like, of course. oh, <laughs> I was like, maybe there's something in this. Maybe, maybe there's, there's, you know, a, a career in, in travel writing. And it wasn't something, to be honest, that anyone had ever mentioned to me because... I grew up in a small town. I didn't, wasn't part of like the media industry in any way at that point. And I didn't really know it was a profession, to be honest. And then I started looking into it and thought, this looks like a dream, basically. And, you know, <laughs> in a way it is. And in a way it's definitely not. Yeah. But yeah, so I've been doing it now. I mean, I've, this is what I've always done in terms of, you know, my career. I didn't have a, a previous career. This has always been what I've done. Wow, it's, it's it's interesting actually because um for for me my sort of travel bug started on a round the world trip as well so it's sort of backpacking oh, really? so yeah so it's it's funny isn't it how for so many people it, it sort of goes that way and um, yeah I think um I think it's something really interesting that you said there um is that the the kind of the reality of actually being a you know freelance or writer travel travel writer is that it's not always glamorous and exciting you know there is also a lot of times when it is actually very hard work and and you know people often don't see that side of it do they no absolutely and I always say to people it's much as traveling isn't always glamorous right you know there's there's always delays or you're in the airport for hours or you've got those kind of horrible like bone shaking bus journeys you have to do or whatever like a lot of things are just yeah the practicalities of getting yourself from A to B and you know a travel writer is probably trying to do it quicker than a normal traveler as it were yeah, probably trying absolutely. to hit certain points and um, and you're trying to cover more ground cover more stuff you're trying to interview you know the, the driver while you're on the bone shaking bus or whatever you know it's it is really quite hard going and I think everyone you know who's traveled at all has got some sort of story about you know their luggage getting lost or the car hire company being difficult or something and I mean, yeah. we have to deal with that sort of thing so much more regularly because we're traveling yeah. so much absolutely more absolutely or missed flights uh jordan yeah. do you want to oh. do you want to do you want to tell us about your your <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got stuck at well missed time and then stuck at the slovenian croatian border recently with uh about two hour delay just oh. across the borders with um so yeah missed the flight and then uh 
from there, now that all flights from Libyana with British Airways had ended for the winter or for, for the winter period. So then I had to go <laughs> back into Slovenia, do finish up the job and then head back over to Zagreb to catch a plane. So I know all about that. Yeah. <laughs> about the delays and the efforts and the wrong turns and everything. Yeah. It was really interesting, actually, as well. I know Cav's been like that. I think that your story was like resonated really deeply with me there like because it's pretty much how well obviously while being a photographer it's pretty much how I got into the industry as well by just traveling and entering a competition by chance and it was like, oh, almost really? like listening to, yeah by listening to my own story and then going oh I didn't realize this was a career but now it yeah. is and you know it was, it was almost the same but obviously different paths took us to you've got yeah. more skill with the words than I have but yeah it really <laughs> resonated with me that so it was nice to hear as well Oh, I'm glad it's not just me that kind of a little bit stumbled into it. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to do it. I think it can, you know, you just got to open up to opportunities, haven't you? And never know what's going to yeah. land at your doorstep and just change your life for the better, hopefully, in the end. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Helen, you obviously specialise in a handful of destinations. Um, what, why sort of those particular places? Are they, I, I assume there were sort of places that obviously you traveled to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So why, why did you kind of almost settle on those places being your speciality? Well, again, there's a little bit of stumbling into things, I suppose. I mean, I would, the, uh, I would say the destinations I specialize in now are the UK, Spain and Australia. The UK is obviously where I live. Um, I think writing what you know is a really good starting point. I think, um, from my point of view anyway, I think it's nice to have a deeper connection with the places you're writing about. And you just get so much, you have so much more to say then and you get so much more out of them. And, and also interviewing people when you have a bit of kind of connection yourself, often they will share different things with you. Or, yeah, so absolutely. I've always found writing about my own country um, or collection of countries, you know, the UK. So I write about England and, and Scotland really particularly. Um, it's, it's, it's a different connection because it's my, I am British, you know, this is my island as well um and then spain i did spanish at school so <laughs> i can speak some spanish so that kind of happens for that reason and I, I love spain and it's actually the first foreign country i ever went to when i was a kid um and then australia you know, basically it goes back to that that trip i was talking about we spent six months traveling around australia and so just and we traveled constantly went to sort of every corner of it more or less and um got to know it really well and so i found again it was somewhere that i knew well had a connection with and it'll always be where I started as well, right? It'll always be where I entered that the competition. Yeah. <laughs> so I just have real passion for those countries. And I have a deeper knowledge about those than I do about, say, India or Cuba or something. Yeah, yeah. It's not to say I wouldn't write about those other places, of course, because sometimes completely fresh eyes is actually what you what's called for. But having a deeper connection to a place, I find to be a really good starting point for any story, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, Australia is really interesting because I, uh, you know, I went backpacking around Australia as well. And and I think Australia was one of the countries for me that really surprised me more than any others. You know, I, I kind of at the time when I went traveling uh, around Australia, I didn't really know much about it. And I just assumed it was all beaches. And and yeah. then actually when you travel around and you realize how beautiful it is and all the you know small towns and everything, and it really did blow my mind really I, I I loved it and uh yeah would love to go back yeah I love it there I also think actually I have a fascination with places that are kind of similar but different to home and obviously Australia we have a lot of cultural links with Australia as Brits course, and uh, yeah. you arrive there and like there are some things that just seem feel so familiar somehow yeah. but of course it's an entirely different country culture geography weather um so I think it's fascinating how and the set similarly I would say with Scotland 
compared with England, you know, there are a lot of similarities, of course, and a lot of shared history, but also some very stark differences. And I think that's fascinating how we can be so similar and yet have completely different cultures. You know, when things are just a little a little bit different or they're sort yeah. of largely the same, but there's a twist on things. Or I think that's really interesting. Whereas Absolutely. somewhere like India is just wildly different. It's yeah. quite a different thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, do you think that that's actually important to specialize in in a few destinations, especially if you're sort of a you know a new writer, if you're if you're someone who's sort of just breaking into the industry? Do you think it's better to try and have that niche and specialize in you know a few destinations, or do you think it's better when you're starting out to just cast your net wide and and try and get as many clients as you can? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think it's one of the big debates we have as travel writers with each other, because I know some people who very much specialise and other people who are quite generalist in their approach to things. And probably both groups would argue that they're right. <laughs> um, I, For me personally, I've always found that specialising has a lot of benefits. Firstly, what I was saying about having a deep connection to places and therefore, in a way, finding it easier to write stories about those places because you can call on the fact that you already know a lot about the history the culture but also just in terms of my relationships with my clients my editors so they know that I know the Canary Islands really well so if they decide you know we want to do a story on Lanzarote they'll come to me first that's gold dust as a freelancer that's I would never want to lose that um that benefit of specializing yeah. and I think if you can become known for certain destinations for me I've always found that that's incredibly positive yeah for frankly actually making a living doing this to be honest but having said that I don't think it has to be a binary choice and I think we get a bit too obsessed with like having to pick one or the other just because I specialize like I said it doesn't mean I wouldn't go you know I have gone to India and written a piece about India I have been to Cuba and written about Cuba I have been to Italy and written about Italy you know it isn't always the case that you need to only write about the places you actually specialize in yeah but I do think from a practical point of view and actually making this work as a career I mean, anything you can do to have editors coming to you rather than you having to pitch all the time is definitely a benefit. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it's always great when editors knock on your door, isn't it? It uh, saves, saves you a lot of time in pitching. But uh, I think I think that's really important, actually, what you said. Whether you're a writer or photographer, actually, and I think you know something that I have certainly over the years, being a photographer and then subsequently writer, is having your sort of niche your speciality is great because like you said you know the clients will then know that's what you specialize in and will come to you mm. but at the same time you know it does also allow you to actually go and occasionally pitch for other stuff as well which then kind of gets you in front of editors in other formats as well so then they'll think oh well actually this person can not only write about Australia or, or you know the Canary Islands but they can also write about India and places like that so I think that's really important but um but yeah, no, I think I think what you said was kind of spot on in that it's good to specialise in something, but don't sort of, you know, make that the only thing you do, in essence. Yeah, you don't want to box yourself in, obviously, exactly. of course. But yeah. Um, let's talk about your book. Yeah. Um, so tell us about it. Well, so, I mean, basically, I, I was travelling a lot to Scotland um, because I just love it there and was doing a lot of pieces on it. And um I was looking for a book to read that would be Bill Bryson is always the name I come out with basically basically a kind of a travelogue or a travel narrative or whatever you want to call it that was fairly accessible 
So not, not a guidebook, not listings, but I wanted a book that kind of would give me a bit of history, stories about the people, sense of place, stuff about, a bit about the geography, but that covered the whole country. And I found loads of books that were about like just sky or, or just the islands in general or whatever. But I couldn't find a book that covered the whole country um, in the sort of way that I wanted to read about it. So I thought, well, if it doesn't exist, then I'm going to have to write it. <laughs> um, so essentially, I read and read a lot of things about Scotland and um, the, his the history particularly. And it's fascinating. It's, I mean, I could have written, honestly, a series of books. I could have written so many volumes of what I ended up with. But um, basically, the book is about... Um, T taking a, a proper look at Scotland, I suppose, as a, a separate entity from England, a separate entity from the rest of the UK, yeah. um, but in its whole entirety, not just, you know, a lot of people have written about the islands, like I said, yeah. and the, I love the islands, um, but I think there's a lot to be said about the mainland as well, and about the borders, and about the central belt that, you know, actually people skim over all the time on the way to Sky, usually. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to kind of encourage people to to travel to all corners of Scotland and basically yeah. to fall in love with it as I have. Yeah. And, and it's obviously a very easy place to, to, to fall in love with well, for I've... anyone who's been there, who's been there. We, we've actually just spent uh, myself, Jordan and uh, a, a group of uh, photographers. We just spent a, uh, a week in the Highlands and Sky in a very, very wet week. And I think yeah. even the, the guests that we had on this incredibly wet week that we had they still loved it as well so it's it's, it's so easy to kind of love Scotland um, yeah, and I think definitely. and I think the, the really interesting thing that you mentioned as well is and it's somewhere that I don't um, you know there's a lot of amazing countries with amazing landscapes but I think the one thing that for me Scotland has over you know the likes of Iceland and all these other places is a lot of the history of it as well with the kind of the incredible castles the incredible stories and myths and yeah. uh, the incredible sort of battles that have taken place um so so in terms of your book uh what is it called and where can people get it um, it's called scotland beyond the bagpipes and it's available at all good bookstores i guess it's, it's on amazon it's uh, waterstones i believe it's back in stanford's um yeah fantastic. pretty much everywhere you can buy books hopefully fantastic fantastic so what what i mean you you, you talked about the fact that uh you know you try to find a book that kind of said what you wanted to read about and, and you couldn't mm. find one how did you go about actually from a more sort of the writer's point of view to to structure what you were going to write to think about what you were going to write what was the kind of the preparation that went into it uh how did you go about actually making it happen so I think I mean obviously I knew the country fairly well before I set out to actually write the book so that certainly helped to start thinking about it and from what I can remember I mean it's such a long process but the very beginning was me thinking okay how would I sort of divide it up like how would, how would I do a trip that encompassed as much of the country as, as possible and hit all the sort of highlights as it were um, and how would I then divide that up you know I've, I've written guidebooks in the past and edited guidebooks um, for rough guides and so I had this kind of this idea that it, it did need to cover everywhere it did need to I wanted people to pick it up and be able to go I'm going to Sky um, let me read about Sky specifically so I guess I took the geography as the starting point in that um, it's in chapters that are split by the geography. So like the first chapter is the borders up to Edinburgh and then there's a chapter on Edinburgh and then five. And, you know, so I did it in a, a geographical way and that gave me a structure that then I could use to kind of book, uh, 
plan the travel um that I was going to want to do there, there were a lot of places that I'd obviously been before but there were obviously a lot of places I hadn't been as well and lots of places I always wanted to go and one of the joys of doing this book was that it enabled me to do this long trip that I never had really an excuse I suppose to do before so I went for three months and just traveled took the car and traveled around the whole of the mainland and out to the isles and a lot of places that I hadn't managed to get to before or that are a bit more more, bit trickier to get to perhaps you know an island reached from another island or something it gave me that time and that space to do it and so I suppose then the trip is obviously what informed what actually got written in the end but I mean like I said I could have filled volumes and volumes I was aware that I needed to keep it to a sort of sensible book like paperback book length yeah um so but I, re I researched the country you know as before I went, as I was there, afterwards, you know, it's a, hu a hugely long process. It's really difficult to explain it in a nutshell, to be honest. Of course, of course. I mean, it's uh, right, right. Well, for for people like me and Jordan who are not, uh, you know, naturally writers, I think writing even a, a thousand word article is pretty tough. So I can't imagine getting, you know, writing a whole book. And uh, I mean, Jordan, you you agree with me with that, wouldn't you? A paragraph is a struggle for me to be honest. Like, oh, not, not of just writing, but of anything creative or what people want to read. Like, it's hard enough. Yeah, I mean. But yeah, you know I, what? I it's can't... harder to write less, I think. Like, a paragraph covers everything you want it to cover is a, is a, a skill that's very separate from writing a book. And actually have, having a book to, to play with, in a way, like having that space to explore your ideas and to give things a bit more air and a bit more light and time actually in some respects was easier because I didn't have to constrain myself to oh I'm over the word count as such yeah I understand that well I, I think for my side though it's literally just the first paragraph of anything is hard I'm just not a writer at all I'm quite dyslexic I'm I just find I repeat words yes I, I've got a new appreciation actually from a from doing taking part in journey for travel rights. I mean, I just read it without really, you know, just appreciating, but not really thinking about the level of work that went into it. And obviously now through journey, then I've really just, yeah, taken on another level of appreciation for how tough your job is really and how skilled it is as well. Well, I think like with anything, until you try and do it yourself, you don't really realize what goes into anything, do you? I mean, I, I'm not a photographer, so, you know, I'm in awe of what you guys do. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, thank you. Uh, that's uh, that sort of leads me nicely into uh, <laughs> the story that you wrote for for Journey, um, and it was it was for me it was really fantastic when I read your piece because I just done the North Coast Five Hundred, mm -hmm. and really you know I took sort of almost three weeks, uh, didn't even cover every single part of it. Uh, and really, the, the thing that really resonated with me when I read your piece was that you were spot on with how people should actually approach it and how people should actually experience it and how people should actually appreciate it. So what but what was the experience like for you? Because I think you've done it a couple of times, haven't you? Yeah. And this is the thing with the North Coast 500 is people tend to talk about it as this like one very specific trip. And as much as it, there's a map that has, you know, a red dotted line on it that says, this is the North Coast 500. Obviously it's existing roads through the highlands that have been there for ages. Um, so this idea of doing it is actually a bit, it's, it's a difficult starting point anyway. I've done sections of it on different trips, of course, you know, it's the way to get from one place to another often. Anyway, it's just the road. <laughs> um, and it's been branded as this, um, this travel experience, which I think 
is a positive thing, definitely. And I think it's brought a lot more visitors to the Highlands and increased the visibility of the Highlands, not just for travel, but some of the issues around um, living there as well. Um, but it's, it's tricky because I think it, it kind of gets sold as something that you can do and tick off in, say, yeah. five days, I think is how it's often it's often marketed in various places that it takes five days, as it were. Yeah. But I mean, that's just nonsense. Of course yeah. it doesn't take, like, it, that's, it just doesn't mean anything really to say that. Like, I think, like you said, you took nearly three weeks. That's much, much better length of time to spend. But as you say, you still don't see everything. No, you? exactly. So much to do Absolutely. Um, like by branding it as a road trip, it has been become a bit of a, like, this is how long it takes. Whereas you wouldn't say it takes five days to see the Highlands. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think the, the other part of it as well is, uh, like you said, you know, to, to try and do it in five days. I mean, you're basically are just driving on a road and you don't actually get to appreciate all the other sort of places off that main yeah. trail that you actually can visit. And, and some of these are among the most spectacular places anywhere in the world that I've certainly been to. And, I'm, you know, you talk yeah, about definitely. Sandwood Bay. And for me, I mean, that must be yeah. one of the most beautiful places in, well, certainly in the whole of the United Kingdom, but I think in the whole of yeah. probably Europe or the world. It's spectacular, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But as I as I said in my pitch, you know, it's a four-mile walk in, yeah. so eight miles return. You know, that's not something you can do quickly, even if you wanted to. Like, it, it takes time. And once you're there, you know, you've, you've walked four miles to get there. You don't want to just go, oh, there it is, and turn around and walk back. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. You need to allow more time. But I just don't think, I don't know if people quite appreciate uh, how much time it does take or can take to travel in, in areas like the Highlands, yeah. where not only is there so much to see, but also, you know, the landscape does not lend itself to, you know, it's not the M25. Yeah. It doesn't lend itself to fast travel. And one of the problems that they're having up there um, is that people are trying to do it quickly in a sports car or yeah. they're in a camper van that's probably too big for the roads that they have. And yeah. it's putting a lot of strain on the highlands and on that area and on people's lives. And you know, you've got to be conscious that when you're driving on this road, it isn't a theme park. It is yeah. somewhere people live. And maybe that person who's you're, who's behind you and you're holding up maybe that's the local doctor that's trying to get to somebody absolutely or, you know, yeah. school teacher trying to get to work or something you have to be conscious that it's a real place and I think one of the things that's happened a little bit with the north coast 500 is that it has a little bit sort of theme parkified or disneyfied the the region because it's like oh it's a road trip it's you know it's branded it must be someone actually said to my husband oh it's um have you heard about this new road they've built in scotland <laughs> it's not a new road <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think what you said there again is, is kind of hit the nail on the head and for me the you know the thing that really i guess annoyed me but it just it was really obvious was the amount of sport cars that were yeah. just racing through and and you know besides the actual danger of it and the speed the noise as well you know you're yeah. you're driving through these incredible places and you know all you can hear is just the speeding exhaust of a car you know racing through and I, I would just hate to be someone who lived there and had to listen to like you know a Lamborghini driving past at that speed yeah. it, it must be terrible I think it's really tricky and not everybody that lives there has benefited from the money that's come in of course you know it doesn't get distributed evenly ever and um, a lot of people are living there but have only really seen the the downsides so the other thing to be conscious of is you know when if you're in that region like people don't necessarily have a positive 
view of the North Coast 500, yeah. actually. You know, for some of the locals, they would love to see people stop coming and do it, certainly in sports cars. Yeah. But actually what they probably want, I would say, and I wouldn't want to speak for them, but I think the, the feeling is, do you know, it'd be great if people would stay longer and yeah. would slow yeah. down and actually spend time with us and see our, our home here. Because one thing I've always found with Scotland generally and particularly the Highlands and Islands, is the hospitality. Absolutely, And the yeah. people are so welcoming and they want to tell you about their home and they want to tell you their stories. If you're racing through in a sports car, you haven't got time for that. Absolutely. It's much better to spend the time and, and actually engage with the community, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I, I, I mean, the only thing I would say with, to, to kind of end that part of it is you everyone needs to kind of have a read of Helen's story and journey because uh, it certainly will make you want to uh, change your views of the North Coast 500 and and go there and take your time and it's a wonderful piece uh, so thank you so much Helen for for kind of writing that so beautifully for us thank you for giving me the opportunity to actually have the, again actually the space to to write at length about something that I really care about oh no no problem at all and uh we are coming to the end of our uh, podcast uh, would love to keep on talking to you helen but um, i can talk about scotland all day <laughs> well maybe we need to have another just a scotland session and just talk about scotland, scotland. Loving, yeah um, have you got what, what have you got coming up in in the kind of next few months 2022 um well i guess more of this family travel i think you know i actually i took my daughters to scotland in the summer and uh, I want to do more of that, really. I want to introduce them to the places that I love. And I would love, I would love us to find, you know, places that um, we, can, we can return to again and again. I'm always looking for places that I can kind of have a longer term relationship with and like a deep connection with. And I'd love us to have, I'd love them when they're older to be like, oh, in my childhood, I remember we always went to wherever, East Newport Five or something. Uh, so I want to give them some lovely memories of, of traveling as a family oh that sounds wonderful and uh, i'm sure they will certainly appreciate it uh, when they get older and when they're um, older yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> maybe not now um and if people wanted to get in touch with you how would they do that what's the best way to sort of uh give knock on your door and give you commissions <laughs> well you can, I mean, you can follow me on social media of course at Helen O'Kira on Twitter and Instagram um, or email me helenokira at gmail.com I've also got a website www.helenokira.com or you know buy my book of course it's got absolutely. The absolutely I think I think everyone should go out there and, and get your book uh, yes please yes absolutely <laughs> Jordan is there anything else that you'd like to ask Helen no, I think you've covered it about, guys. That was really interesting. It was lovely to hear your story and your thoughts on Scotland. I definitely agree with the slowing down on travel. I think that's one thing that I've always uh, been an advocate of, just, you know, um, trying to spend time in places. So it's nice to hear when people do that. And I think from my side, photography definitely does that to me because you can't rush around in photography. You've got to often, you know, one spot a day or two spots a day, really, where you're really concentrating. So you really get time to get to know the places and understand them and appreciate them for what they are. So it's nice to see other people appreciating that as well who maybe aren't forced to stay around but you know just enjoy it and get to understand and appreciate places yeah definitely and thanks for joining us as well appreciate it thank you very much thank you for having me brilliant thank you very much helen and uh we hope everyone has enjoyed this episode of the journey podcast uh and tune again to the next time <laughs>
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.